Section 4 of Some Answered Questions by Abdul Baha. Translated by Laura Clifford Barney. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Abu Jalal. Section 4. 10. Traditional proofs exemplified from the book of Daniel. Today at table let us speak for a little of proofs if you had come to this blessed place in the days of the manifestation of the evident light if you had attained to the court of his presence and had witnessed his luminous beauty you would have understood that his teachings and perfection were not in need of further evidence only through the honor of entering his presence many souls became confirmed believers they had no need of other proofs even those people who rejected and hated him bitterly when they had met him would testify to the grandeur of baha'u'llah saying this is a magnificent man but what a pity that he makes such a claim otherwise all that he says is acceptable but now as that light of reality has set all are in need of proofs so we have undertaken to demonstrate logical proofs of the truth of his claim we will cite another which alone is sufficient for all who are just and which no one can deny it is that this illustrious being uplifted his cause in the greatest prison from this prison his light was shed abroad his fame conquered the world and the proclamation of his glory reached the east and west until our time no such thing has ever occurred if there be justice this will be acknowledged but there are some people who even if all the proofs in the world be adduced before them still will not judge justly thus the religion and the state of persia with all their strength could not resist him verily single and alone imprisoned and oppressed he accomplished whatever he desired i do not wish to mention the miracles of baha'u'llah for it may perhaps be said that these are traditions liable both to truth and to error like the accounts of the miracles of christ in the gospel which come to us from the apostles and not from anyone else and are denied by the jews though if i wish to mention the supernatural acts of baha'u'llah they are numerous they are acknowledged in the orient and even by some strangers to the cause but these narratives are not decisive proofs and evidences to all the hearer might perhaps say that this account may not be in accordance with what occurred for it is known 
that other sects recount miracles performed by their founders for instance the brahmanists relate miracles from what evidence may we know that these are false and that these are true if these are fables the others are also fables if these are generally accepted so also the others are generally accepted consequently these accounts are not satisfactory proofs yes miracles are proofs for the bystander only and even he may regard them not as a miracle but as an enchantment extraordinary feats may have also been related of some conjurers briefly my meaning is that many wonderful things were done by baha'u'llah but we do not recount them for they do not constitute proofs and evidences for the peoples and they are not decisive proofs even for those who see them for they may think that they are merely enchantments also most of the miracles of the prophets which are mentioned have an inner significance for instance in the gospel it is written that at the martyrdom of christ darkness prevailed and the earth quaked and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the dead came forth from their graves if these events had happened they would indeed have been wonderful and would certainly have been recorded in the history of the times they would have become the cause of much troublings of heart the soldiers would either have taken down christ from the cross or they would have fled these events are not related in any history therefore it is evident they ought not to be taken literally but as having an inner significance our purpose is not to deny such miracles our only meaning is that they do not constitute decisive proofs and that they have an inner significance accordingly today at table we will refer to the explanation of the traditional proofs which are in the holy books until now all that we have spoken of are logical proofs the state in which one should be to seriously search for the truth is the condition of the thirsty burning soul desiring the water of life of the fish struggling to reach the sea of the sufferer seeking for the true doctor to obtain the divine cure of the lost caravan endeavoring to find the right road of the lost and wandering ship striving to reach the shore of salvation also the seeker must be endowed with certain qualities first of all he must be just and severed from all else save god his heart must be entirely turned to the supreme horizon he must be free from the bondage of vices and passions for all these are obstacles furthermore he must be able to endure all hardships he must be absolutely pure and sanctified and free from the love or the hatred of the inhabitants of the world 
Why? Because the fact of his love for any person or thing might prevent him from recognizing the truth in another. And in the same way, hatred for anything might be a hindrance in discerning truth. This is the condition of seeking, and the seeker must have these qualities and attributes. Until he reaches this condition, it is not possible for him to attain to the sun of reality. Let us now return to our subject. All the peoples of the world are awaiting two manifestations, who must be contemporaneous. All wait for the fulfillment of this promise. In the Bible, the Jews have the promise of the Lord of hosts and the Messiah. In the Gospel, the return of Christ and Elijah is mentioned. In the religion of Muhammad, there is the promise of the Mahdi and the Messiah, and it is the same with the Zoroastrian and the other religions. But if we relate these matters in detail, it would take too long. The essential fact is that all are promised two manifestations who will come one following on the other. It has been prophesied that in the time of these two manifestations the earth will be transformed, the world of existence will be renewed, and beings will be clothed in new garments. Justice and truth will encompass the world, enmity and hatred will disappear. All causes of division among peoples, races and nations will vanish, and the cause of union, harmony and concord will appear. The negligent will awake, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dumb will speak, the sick will be cured, the dead will arise. War will give place to peace, Enmity will be conquered by love. The causes of dispute and wrangling will be entirely removed, and true felicity will be attained. The world will become the mirror of the heavenly kingdom. Humanity will be the throne of divinity. All nations will become one. All religions will be unified. All individual men will become of one family and of one kindred all the regions of the earth will become one the superstitions of nationality patriotism personality language and politics will disappear and all men will attain to life eternal under the shadow of the lord of hosts now we must prove from the holy books that these two manifestations have come and we must divine the meaning of the words of the prophets, for we wish for proofs drawn from the holy books. A few days ago, at table, we put forth logical proofs establishing the truth of these two manifestations. To conclude, in the book of Daniel, from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the martyrdom of Christ, seventy weeks are appointed. For by the martyrdom of Christ, the sacrifice is accomplished and the altar destroyed. This is a prophecy 
of the manifestation of Christ. These seventy weeks begin with the restoration and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, concerning which four edicts were issued by three kings. The first was issued by Cyrus in the year 536 BC. This is recorded in the first chapter of the book of Ezra. The second edict with reference to the rebuilding of Jerusalem is that of Darius of Persia in the year 519 BC. This is recorded in the sixth chapter of Ezra. The third is that of Artaxerxes in the seventh year of his reign, that is, in 457 BC. This is recorded in the seventh chapter of Ezra. The fourth is that of Artaxerxes in the year 444 BC. This is recorded in the second chapter of Nehemiah. But Daniel refers especially to the third edict which was issued in the year 457 BC. Seventy weeks make 490 days. Each day, according to the text of the holy book, is a year. For in the Bible it is said, quote, The day of the Lord is one year. Note, compare Numbers 14, 34, and note. Therefore, 490 days are 490 years. The third edict of Artaxerxes was issued 457 years before the birth of Christ, and Christ, when he was martyred and ascended, was 33 years of age. When you add 33 to 457, the result is 490, which is the time announced by Daniel for the manifestation of Christ. But in the 25th verse of the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, this is expressed in another manner, as seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, and apparently this differs from the first saying. Many have remained perplexed at these differences, trying to reconcile these two statements. How can seventy weeks be right in one place, and sixty-two weeks and seven weeks in another? These two sayings do not accord. But Daniel mentions two dates. One of these dates begins with the command of Artaxerxes to Ezra to rebuild Jerusalem. This is the seventy weeks which came to an end with the ascension of Christ, when by his martyrdom the sacrifice and oblation ceased. The second period, which is found in the 26th verse, means that after the termination of the rebuilding of Jerusalem until the ascension of Christ, there will be 62 weeks. The seven weeks are the duration of the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which took 49 years. When you add these seven weeks to the 62 weeks, it makes 69 weeks. The ascension of Christ took place. These 70 weeks are thus completed, and there is no contradiction. As the manifestation of Christ is established by the prophecies of Daniel, so also are the manifestations of Baha'u'llah and of the Bab. Until now, we have only mentioned logical proofs. Now we shall speak 
of traditional proofs. In the eighth chapter of the book of Daniel, verse 13, it is said, quote, Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? End quote. Then he answered, verse 14, quote, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. End quote. Verse 17, quote, But he said unto me, At the time of the end shall be the vision. End quote. That is to say, how long will this misfortune, this ruin, this abasement and degradation last? Meaning, when will be the dawn of the manifestation? Then he answered, quote, Two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. End quote. Briefly, the purport of this passage is that he appoints two thousand three hundred years, for in the text of the Bible, each day is a year. Then, from the date of the issuing of the Edict of Artaxerxes to rebuild Jerusalem until the day of the birth of Christ, there are 456 years. And from the birth of Christ until the day of the manifestation of the Bab, there are 1,844 years. When you add 456 years to this number, it makes 2,300 years. That is to say, the fulfillment of the vision of Daniel took place in the year 1844 A.D. And this is the year of the Bob's manifestation according to the actual text of the book of Daniel. Consider how clearly he determines the year of manifestation. There could be no clearer prophecy for a manifestation than this. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 3, Christ clearly says that what Daniel meant by this prophecy was the date of the manifestation. And this is the verse, quote, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? End quote. One of the explanations he gave them in reply was this, verse 15, quote, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. End quote. In this answer, he referred them to the eighth chapter of the book of Daniel, saying that everyone who reads it will understand that it is this time that is spoken of. Consider how clearly the manifestation of the Bob is spoken of in the Old Testament and in the Gospel. To conclude, 
let us now explain the date of the manifestation of baha'u'llah from the bible the date of baha'u'llah is calculated according to the lunar years from the mission and the hejira of muhammad for in the religion of muhammad the lunar year is in use as also it is the lunar year which is employed concerning all commands of worship in daniel chapter 12 verse 6 it is said quote, and one said to the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river how long shall it be to the end of these wonders and i heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth for ever that it shall be for a time times and a half and that when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people all these things shall be finished End quote. as i have already explained the significance of one day it is not necessary to explain it farther but we will say briefly that each day of the father counts as a year and in each year there are twelve months thus three years and a half makes forty-two months and forty-two months are twelve hundred and sixty days the bab the precursor of baha'u'llah appeared in the year twelve sixty from the hejira of muhammad by the reckoning of islam afterwards in verse eleven it is said quote, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolation be set up there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days the beginning of this lunar reckoning is from the day of the proclamation of the prophethood of muhammad in the country of hijaz and that was three years after his mission because in the beginning the prophethood of muhammad was kept secret and no one knew it save khadija and ibn nawfal after three years it was announced and baha'u'llah in the year 1290 from the proclamation of the mission of muhammad caused his manifestation to be known end of section 4 recording by abu jalal